Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Jonathan Warner. Uh, Sean is once again back for another fun podcast. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. How's it going with you? I'm doing fine myself. Uh, haven't done a podcast probably three weeks or so, so a lot of things to catch up on. Uh, but the primary one is Oklahoma State in general. Uh, Oklahoma State, a couple weeks back, uh, got a postseason ban for this upcoming year, along with uh, loss in scholarships, a couple things along those lines. Uh, there was rumors that Cade Cunningham maybe you know would decide to leave. He deleted posts on Instagram. Maybe he was going to leave, but he's decided to stay at Oklahoma State. What do you kind of make of the Cunningham staying at Oklahoma State and kind of Oklahoma State in general? So I'll start off with how I feel about the whole Oklahoma State thing as a whole. Obviously, it was just one rogue assistant coach with Lamont Evans who was getting money from advisors, trying to get players who were entering the draft to sign their agency or whatever. And while I think that at the same time that Oklahoma State was hit hard, that coach was charged criminally. And I I think it's tough to say that as a program, they should have been hit hard. But I think they're setting a precedent there saying that you need to have control of your program. You need to know what your coaches are doing. And if not, they're going to get penalized. But when I see them get that penalty, and I think it'll stand, I don't think they'll win an appeal, I think that LSU should be hit harder with Will Wade talking about making strong-ass offers to recruit with Bill Self and doing whatever he's doing, Arizona, USC, they should all be hit hard. So we'll have to see what ends up happening there. But as for Cade Cunningham, I'm honestly glad to see him stay. I think it'll be a fun thing to watch there. He gets to play under Mike Boynton. And I think it speaks a lot to what Boynton is as a coach and a person, that he's able to keep him there. And obviously his brother Ken is an assistant coach, but... I think it's an overall great thing for Oklahoma State basketball. Yeah, I'm on along the lines. Uh, along with the you know going at the kind of postseason ban, I think the penalty was a little strong. I'd say you know maybe give more of a financial penalty to Oklahoma State for having kind of that rogue assistant, but it it doesn't make a ton of sense just to punish you know players in the future for something that happened three four years ago back before. Back when, like, Cade Cunningham, for example, was like a 14 or 15-year-old. doesn't make a ton of sense, at least in my opinion, on the postseason ban. I I would like to see maybe a higher financial penalty. You'll see with other programs, I think you'll get, you know, two, three, maybe two or three-year postseason bans for, you know, the Kansases, the LSUs, the Arizonas of the world. Uh That'll kind of be a wait-and-see period for that. But Oklahoma State, I think the penalty, and along the lines, you know, the people that benefited were not really, you know, the players at all. It was the coaches, just fill, that rogue assistant coach just filling his, you know, pockets with money just to lean different players to, uh, you know, different, you know, people that maybe – you know, was not good for the players. I think Jeffrey Carroll got suspended for 
receiving like three hundred dollars yeah. in twenty eighteen, if I'm remembering correctly, or the twenty eighteen season. As for Cunningham, yeah. as for Cunningham, though, this is this is absolutely huge for Oklahoma State. Even you know we we don't know what they'll do, kind of you know. With this COVID-19, we don't really know if the season's going to start on time or anything like that. So keeping Cade Cunningham, though, is kind of a big thing. It you know gets other people interested in the Oklahoma State program. You know, it adds, you know, Mike Boynton, his handling of this entire situation, I think is, he has handled this as well as you could ask for. He's, you know, let Cade Cunningham know he, he's welcome to transfer. We'll let you go anywhere. Uh, but Cunningham wanted to stay. He, you know, his brother's obviously an assistant, but he felt the sense of loyalty. I kind of respect Cunningham for doing that because a lot of people could have gone to the G League. Uh, a lot of people, you know, could have decided, hey, I want to transfer to Kentucky. I think that was an option thrown out there. Uh, so credit to him for staying loyal and you know going to Oklahoma State, following through on his ward. Absolutely, and just finishing up on Cunningham, it's, it's not something you see every day in any sport nowadays, just the ability to stay true to your word. And honestly, if I was in Cade Cunningham's position, I wouldn't have done what he did, but I respect, like, obviously I'm not Cade Cunningham. I'm five, six, maybe five, seven on a good day, and not a college basketball recruit, so I'm talking about them. But if I were him, I honestly probably would have went to Kentucky, but... Passing up on $500,000 in the G League is also a big thing. But at the same time, going to be able to be playing at Oklahoma State, you'll be televised twice a week on national television. That $500,000, if he dropped even one draft slot, he would lose probably triple that. So. Yeah. I do, I do think Cunningham, you know, just, I, I'm not too big into looking at the, you know, AU circuits, all that, but Cunningham, I've watched him quite a bunch i think he's probably he would go number one in this upcoming draft i think he's certainly Mm -hmm. the favorite to go number one next year uh so staying at oklahoma state i guess he'll he should put up numbers he's you know do it all guard he can shoot uh he's really you know high iq passer plays defense he's kind of that perfect four for oklahoma state that point forward that they will look to kind of run offense and defense through uh, and he should do well in the Big 12 this year yeah and if he does play guard he can kind of I kind of see him as like a Lonzo ball type when he played his season at UCLA yeah certainly kind of a good comparison there uh, saying along Oklahoma State your nay has decided to transfer he can uh, receive a waiver and play immediately I believe uh, is the case with you know, Oklahoma State being on a postseason ban. Uh, what do you make of him deciding to transfer, and what kind of schools make sense to you for him to go to? Well, first off, I wasn't surprised that you were in a transfer, but I'm surprised he's the only one that decided to transfer. I thought Farron Flavors, who's a graduate transfer from Cal Baptist, great shooter. I thought he was in a transfer elsewhere, but he stayed loyal to his work, too. And these guys, I don't fault them if they're transferring. I'm not going to call them disloyal at all. It's a tough situation to be in, knowing you're not going to play for anything. And with UNA, the kind of schools I see him being involved with, and the whole UNA recruiting is in super quiet. Nothing on that front at all. But I could see him going to Arizona State, replacing Romello White. I could see him going to Maryland, replacing Jalen Smith. 
I could see him going to Nevada. He's good friends with one of their players, Dane Yeats. They played together growing up, it seems like. They're really good friends. And then maybe like a VCU would make a lot of sense to play Marcus Santos Silva. So those four, I think, are really good candidates for him. Yeah, I think Arizona State and Maryland are the two that kind of come to mind. Can go either way, and I think it would be a good fit. With Maryland, they really don't have a lot of options at the forward spot. You either got to play Chol Marial or... Uh, He's a project right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. certainly you know, not someone you need to be relying on 20 minutes a game from. So Yorne could go start at Maryland really, you know, right away and play big minutes on a Maryland team that, you know, might make the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, it's hard to necessarily mm-hmm. say, but definitely would have a better chance of making the tournament than Oklahoma State minus, uh, you know, the postseason ban being overturned. And then Arizona State, it that's, that's, you know, the one that's a really good fit for him. If he goes there, he can kind of just slide in at the five. Arizona State's able to run that four-guard lineup. You can have, like, Cherry or Josh Christopher at the three and the four, uh, along with the talented guards, uh, Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, uh, Jalen House as well. That's, that's I think, the fit that makes a lot of sense. We'll see what Yornay does, but certainly will be a sought-after transfer for a certain amount of schools. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know if Houston still has scholarships on the table, but they should be in the running, too. I don't think Reggie Chaney, who they just got from Arkansas, is going to get a waiver. But he may have, he may have a case saying that he might have been pushed out with all the transfers they've received, with Eric Musselman having an obsession with transfers. So we'll have to see. I would add Houston in that mix, too. But I really like him. Honestly, I lean Maryland, but I could see Arizona State as a pretty legitimate player there, too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, moving on, staying I guess a little bit on the West Coast. Andrew Nimhard has decided to uh, transfer to Gonzaga. Uh, he is going to sit out this year, play the next year, kind of similar to how Nigel Williams gosted a couple years ago. I've seen that comparison made. Different players, but similar you know, archetypes, going to sit out a year, develop in the Mark Few system, and probably going to come out in the 2021-2022 season and be an absolute stud. Uh, what do you make of this decision to go to Gonzaga? I mean, I think it was an obvious decision. I thought from the jump that's where he's going to end up. I put that in the story I wrote about an Hart. Uh, it's a really good fit. I mean, if you have the chance to play for Mark Few, you do that. I mean, they're blue blood, in my opinion, 20 years of constant success. Although some people like to rag on their schedule and conference, they can't control that. That that's just they beat everybody by thirty every night anyways. I mean, and you look at some of the this is a tweet I had, but you look at some of the transfers they've gotten in the last like five years. Jordan Matthews, Nigel Williams Goss, you know Crandall, Admon Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, Eric McClellan, Jeremy Jones, Brandon Clark, Jonathan Williams, and Kyle Wilcher. I mean, that's just a Huge! All those guys had a lot of success for Gonzaga, and Nemhard's gonna be right up there. Yeah, and th- along the similar lines, all those players got better once they got to Gonzaga. You look at a Williams Goss; he was kind of a, you know, he was good at Washington, but kind of a project player. He became an All-American 
level player. I think a first team All American, if I'm remembering correctly, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, especially. Uh, he 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 was good at San Jose State, I think, but he became a national name, a All American level player at Gonzaga. The list goes on and on. Kyle Wilcher as well. You, players just they go to Gonzaga, they develop, they get better, and you know this sit out year. It's gonna be you know I guess tough to sit out a year, but when you're chasing the NBA dreams like Nimhart is. Uh, sometimes sitting out a year and getting a year to develop, get better in a system, I think that's going to be beneficial to him. And he's going to, when all is said and done, I think going to be a really good piece for Gonzaga as they, you know, go into the future this year. I, I assume both Jalen Suggs and Joel Ai are going to go to the NBA, so he'll be, you know, yeah. running the points next season. Yeah, and I mean just. Finishing up on how good Gonzaga really is every season. I mean, you just look at the non-conference they play every year. I think one thing I've forgotten about is how strong their non-conference schedule always is. I mean, you look at two seasons ago now at this point. I think it was in Maui, maybe, and when they played Duke with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, I mean, they beat them. So Yeah, and they, they played... Their two losses were to a one seed and a two seed, uh, and one of those was a really close game, and the other one was at the one seed uh, in North Carolina. So that those that that strength of schedule on a yearly basis for Gonzaga is just brutal, uh, and he'll definitely get an opportunity, especially November, December, to play kind of on a national stage, and then again in March when Gonzaga's making it to the. Sweet 16, Elite 8 once again. Like every year, yep. Yeah. Moving on, staying you know, relatively close to Gonzaga, LJ Figueroa has head, is heading to Oregon. He's a sit-out, sit-one, play-one transfer. He might, I've seen he might get a transfer, or a waiver to play next season, uh, given that New York's, I guess, a coronavirus hotspot. Who knows with the NCAA, though, it's... As mentioned before, just picking names out of a hat. Sometimes you pick the name out of the hat and it says you're eligible. Sometimes it says you're not eligible. So I guess we'll wait and see on that. But Figueroa going to Oregon, I think, makes a ton of sense both for this year, and next year. You know, always good to add a you know physical, you know, kind of small ball four type guard in Figueroa, and that that's what he can bring to the table. Yeah, definitely. I like this move quite a bit for Oregon. But here's the thing with Figueroa. This season, he didn't have a very good season. Let's just call it what it is. He wasn't he was a good three-point shooter. He was hurt a little bit. I think he played through some injuries. But 37% from the field not really going to get it done, especially when he had 51% the previous season. Some of that could have been playing with Shamori Pond, Marvin Clark, guys like that. But he was just never going to fit into Mike Anderson's system. He doesn't pride himself on defense like Mike Anderson and teams want you to do. He's an offensive-minded guy, and I think he's going to fit well at Oregon, but I don't think he is going to get a waiver. I find it hard to believe that guys, like New York is like not getting hit that hard now, but Florida is, so is Nampard going to apply for a waiver and say that? I mean, I think it's just so much uncertainty with who's going to get a waiver with what right now. Yeah. 
No, no one can tell what the NCAA is going to do at all when it comes to these waivers. With Figueroa, I think he's kind of in his best role. He's not really the lead initiator, like he was, you know, kind of forced to play this year at St. John's. I think it, when he was playing like alongside Shamori Pons, being like the third or fourth option, I think it, you saw kind of the best play he had, where you know defenses aren't keying into him. Last year, just with St. John's, he was kind of, you know. Defenses were looking to stop him as opposed to stopping Shamori Pons, and you kind of saw that with the production drop. But I still think you know him being like a third option on a this Oregon team's going to you know be really good whenever he does return or decide to play, whether it is this year or the next year. Uh, we'll wait and see on that. But Oregon, I think, has talents around them that he can be kind of that third or fourth option, which is. The role I think he plays best. Yeah, and I don't honestly. If I were him and Dan Altman, I don't even apply for a waiver. Obviously, they'd be a lot better. I mean, a little bit better this season if he did. But they still have Will Richardson, Chris Duarte, and they'll likely lose both of them next season. Duarte is going to be gone as a senior, and I think Richardson will probably be a first-round pick. So they get him along with St. Peter's pedestrians for Aaron Estrada, Jalen Carey, who is a top 100 recruit in this class. I'm sure they'll add other players. I like them a lot more for 2021-22, but we'll have to Yeah, certainly. Uh, the next subject going uh, back kind of to, we're going to go from the West Coast to the middle of America. Booth Gotch, both Gotch, uh, the GOAT, has received a or He is going to Minnesota. He's expected to receive a waiver. Uh, granted, that minute, Minnesota's, you know, just about an hour away from his hometown. He said he liked Maryland as a fit a little bit better, but uh, went to Minnesota because he knows he can probably get a waiver and play this year. Uh, with Gotch, I think he fills a really nice role. He'll play alongside Marcus Card, Gabe Kalsher. Uh, we'll see, I guess, waivers in the front court if Minnesota. Minnesota could be really good next year, though. Uh, and it'll be with Booth Gotch probably being like a third option on that team, uh, playing alongside Kelsher and Carr. Yeah, I, I like Booth Gotch as a player, all jokes aside. But this season, he was pretty bad. I mean, honestly, he just wasn't very good. And he also, he's another guy who dealt with injuries, played through some, and wasn't really fully healthy at all this season, it looked like. But two seasons ago, when he was in a bench role, he shot 47% from the field. And he's, a, he's more of a high upside guy who I think can have a pretty good season if given a waiver as he should be at Minnesota. So we'll see what happens there. But I think it's an overall really good get for Richard Patino's slow. Yeah, I think the one thing he can kind of do, you know, he's a big physical guard. He can kind of guard, I guess, a little bit bigger players at the Big Ten level, which is going to be, you know, really important uh when you're you're going to the Big Ten, you've got you know a little bit more physicality. I think that would be definitely a help for Minnesota. Absolutely. Moving forward, uh, DJ Carton uh, has received a waiver. He will play immediately for Marquette this season. Not really a surprise. I think a lot of people uh, he put on uh, his Instagram story or something like that. Uh, that he yeah, kind of got pushed out at Ohio State. Whether that's true or not, 
Uh, he does get the waiver. He did suffer with uh, – he left the team at Ohio State uh, citing mental health issues. Uh, certainly hope he's doing fine, but he'll he'll be playing this year for Marquette. That's kind of a big get for the Golden Eagles. I think it, they should be a team that has you know a little bit higher expectations. I'm not sure they're a tournament team per se this upcoming season, but they they can you know probably finish in the middle of the Big East, maybe contend for an NCAA tournament this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely. I'm not surprised at all that he got a waiver. I definitely do not think that him getting pushed out is even true at all. But I, I, if he, he said it, I don't blame him. I mean, I have a hard time believing that uh, they wanted Abel Porter from Utah State, who had like three points a game last year instead of DJ Carton or Luther Muhammad. But on the mental health side of things, obviously, if you read my Twitter, I'm a big advocate for mental health issues. And that's one of the things I want to always focus on. And that's obviously why I think he should have gotten the waiver, and he ultimately probably did, is because some environments just aren't good for people with mental health issues, and hopefully he can work through those things. And a lot of players deal with it, just a lot aren't public about it. You see Kevin Love of the Cavaliers, former UCLA great player, being a huge advocate for it. But some guy, I, I feel like most players deal with it, they just don't talk about it. But on the basketball side of things, it's a great get for Marquette. He plays alongside Toby McEwen this season. And then down low, you get uh, Theo John and Dawson Garcia, top 50 recruit. But that's where losing Brendan Bailey, who's going overseas likely, is going to be a huge factor on the win. Yeah, certainly. Moving on, Justin Smith is going to Arkansas. He's going to be a graduate transfer, uh, did a three-year graduate uh, degree from Indiana, so now he's going to Arkansas. He's gonna probably play the four for Arkansas at Indiana. He was, you know, I, I think frustratingly, I think a lot of people saw Justin Smith playing the three and was like, this. At least myself, I was like, this guy is so perfect for a small ball four role, uh, and Indiana just was not doing that. They were playing him at the four or at the three, which didn't make a ton of sense. He's going to Arkansas. I think he'll play kind of that small ball four, maybe even a small ball five if need be. Uh, I think it's a decent fit. Arkansas is going to be deep, talented. Uh, we we still you know kind of wait and see on Isaiah Joe if he'll be eligible or he'll return. Uh, he's currently in the NBA draft process. Uh, who knows what's going to happen there? But definitely a good fit for Arkansas, and they pick up a talented. Piece that you know can help them be you know a lockdown defender on the defensive side and score on the offensive end as well. Yeah, definitely. I love Justin Smith as a player, great defender, solid offensive player down low. He just isn't a wing guy. Archie Miller wanted to play him there forever, even though that's not clearly not what he's good at. He can't really shoot, but I think down low at the four or five as a small ball five, he's gonna be really good. But obviously all of Arkansas depends on what Isaiah Joe is going to decide. I think he comes back, and I'm fairly confident with that, because I think he has as much incentive to return as anybody. Because if he has a season shooting-wise like he did two seasons ago, he's going to be a first-round pick without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'm kind of along the same lines as you. Uh, he, I think he could definitely go this year and still be 
you know, picked in the second round or something like that. But a lot of upside, at least for him, if he has a big shooting season uh, and really takes off, I think he can definitely work, you know, maybe a late first round, uh, early second round pick, which I think is, you know, what you're looking for if you're leaving for the NBA draft uh, as a junior, which he would be in a year. Uh, moving on, Justin Mutz is heading to Virginia Tech. He kind of shores up that front court a little bit. Uh, they had Aluma, uh, Kel- Keve Aluma, I think it's pronounced. Uh, he was kind of their center, uh, but you know Justin Mutz, kind of a, you know I think a natural four. He's going to help shore up that front court in Virginia Tech. Not going to be quite as small as they were a season ago when they were starting PJ Horn at the five. Yeah, definitely. Justin Musk is a very good player. I like him a lot at Delaware. I like him at Virginia Tech a lot. But to be quite honest, I was kind of shocked he didn't pick Houston. That was my pick for him straight out of the gate. And I spoke to him and he told me, I interviewed him and then I spoke to him a couple times with things I didn't tweet. He told me that he was doing virtual visits with NC State and Virginia Tech. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that that was his final three because those were teams that were heavily on him. But Virginia Tech this season is going to be a really interesting team. Obviously, Mike Young loves the guys that can shoot, and they have that with Jalen Cohn, Hunter Couture, and then they add Cartier Yada. Is weirdest pronunciation of a name in college basketball, probably based off how it's spelled, but that's how it's pronounced apparently. But he's he's a pretty good player, Kansas State for extra answer. He kind of turns the ball over a lot, so he's a big lefty guard who can get to the hoop. I like him a lot, too. Tyrese Radford is a very good player who plays a lot bigger than a 6-2 frame. I think Virginia Tech is probably could be a sneaky team this season. Yeah, Virginia Tech, it, it's kind of, they're kind of a weird team. They have a lot of pieces that, you know, on paper are good, but they with, with no Nolly, Nolly deciding to transfer, obviously. I don't know who's the superstar on the team, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see who can fill that role, whether it's, you know, Justin Mutz, maybe Jalen Coden takes a big step forward. There's no superstar that, you know, really excites me. There's just a lot of really good pieces at Virginia Tech. So I, I think Virginia Tech will at least be, you know, decent in the ACC. I think they'll probably go, you know, maybe 8-12 and 12 in conference play or something like that. Uh I'd say they're probably more likely an NIT team than an NCAA tournament team, but Virginia Tech should still be, you know, pretty decent next year. Year, uh, and Justin Mutz will certainly play a big role. He's a, I believe, he's a, you know, play two grad transfer. Yeah, yeah, he's a play two grad transfer. He uh, started his career at a uh, Holy Cross, I think, or High Point. It was High Point. Uh, but he started there, then when their coach got fired, he went to Delaware. He was able to graduate in three years, and he's only spent year two left. That, that, that's the way to go. Uh, impressive for him. Uh, he'll be a uh, play, play two transfer for Virginia Tech. Last thing before we get into uh, some fun activities, Jonathan Kaminja, uh, he's still up in there. He graduated college uh there's rumors he's probably going to the g league texas tech might be an option as well if he does go to school what do you kind of make of him deciding to reclass to the 2020 class and then uh, what do you think he'll end up doing 
start off with this because this is another super confusing situation. He apparently, even though he graduated high school, we we all saw that apparently his family apparently told twenty four seven sports writers that he is not officially classified yet for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. I'm assuming he still is since he graduated high school. But I guess we'll have to. I mean, I'm assuming you know he'll be somewhere next season. But it could be. I still want to think he goes to Texas Tech because his brother Joel McComboy, who transferred from UNLV after Marvin Menzies was let go, sat out last season. I think that bond. I mean, you see it with Josh Christopher going to ASU to play Caleb Christopher's brother. I think that's the kind of thing that you know is overall more important than money to some guys. But it's hard to blame Kaminga if he decides to go to the G League. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll see what he kind of does. Could get maybe a $500,000 offer from the G League or something like that. We'll wait and see on that. But Texas Tech, I think, would be the lean if he does decide to go to college. Definitely. Moving on here, going to get into uh, superlatives. Uh, we're going to the Big 12 this time. I think we did the Pac-12 and Big East previously. Uh, so we're going we to the Big 12. Big 10 last. Big 10 last. Uh, so we're going to the Big 12. Uh, going to go through the favorite, some contenders, dark horse, uh, and sleeper teams. Uh, going to start out with the favorite. At least for me, it's still Baylor. I think with Jared Butler, uh, Macy Oteague, if both those players are back, uh, they kind of have that scoring that they need. Uh, Davion Mitchell, Mark Vital, those are two of the you know top ten defenders in the sport from a season ago. Freddie Gillespie not being there is you know kind of a big loss, but I think you know if they can kind of get some help in the front court, uh, maybe Tristan Clark gets healthy once again. I think Baylor's still the team to beat probably in the Big Twelve next season. Yeah, I 100% agree and. I'm I'm a little less certain on Jared Butler coming back uh, than it seems other people are. I would still put it at like sixty forty that he stays, but so I, I lean obviously that he stays. I'm assuming Macy O'Keefe's like a hundred percent back. He won't get drafted. Then you have Davion Mitchell, you have Mark Vidal, and Tristan Clark, who was hurt all last most of last season, wasn't very good when he played. And injuries have been something that really is derailed his college career. So hopefully he can come back healthy, 6'10", and in his 14 games in 2018-2019, he had 14 points a game. This is a guy that can be a great player if he just stays healthy, but that's a tough thing to do. And they also add Adam Flagler, who sat out last season. He's a transfer from Presbyterian. He's also a pretty good player. Don't forget the, the GOAT, Flo Thamba. Flo Thamba. Oh, yeah, can't forget him. Can't forget yeah. about him. Yeah, I think Baylor, you know, they're probably the team to beat heading into next season, but certainly a group, good group of contenders. You've got Kansas, you've got West Virginia, you've got Texas Tech kind of in that tier. Uh, any of them you really like as the top contender? Baylor is uh, definitely, yeah, my favorite. Or, but contenders besides them, I like Texas. Uh, I think they're a sneaky team. Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones coming back, getting Greg Brown, Jericho Sims, Ty Jones could be poised for a huge season. I like a lot of what Shaka Smart has working around him. But if I'm Shaka Smart, this is really my make-or-break season in Austin. 
because he's probably done if they don't make the tournament or even be a good seed in the tournament. Yeah, certainly this is a make-or-break year for Shaka Smart. Uh, he'll he'll need a good season. Texas, I kind of think is going to be you know pretty good. I'm not sure they're you know the lead contender in the Big Twelve, but certainly you got you know Greg Brown, a five star who kind of you know fits in perfectly at the four. Jericho Sims is a good five man, and they have a good rotation of guards that can kind of shoot it as well. Texas on paper is you know built to be really good. It just one, can you trust the guards to make shots? And two, can you trust Shaka Smart? And that that's kind of the thing. I think the top contenders, you know, Texas Tech, we'll wait and see if Kamanja decides to, you know, go there or, you know, Mac McClung gets a waiver. If none of those things happen, I think Texas Tech is probably still maybe a top 25 team, but probably, you know, more of a, you know, 25 than they are a top 10 team or anything like that uh west virginia is a team i i really like going into you know next year miles mcbride if he can kind of you know be consistent you know playing as the lead guard on that team you know they're what they're going to do they're just going to completely kill people on the glass i i certainly think west virginia will be good and then Kansas is Kansas. I think this Big 12 has five, you know, top 25 teams heading into next season. Yeah, I I agree. I like West Virginia quite a bit, too. But I'm going to go back to your Texas Tech point. I, I, I'm so, like, in between on what to think of them since losing Davide Moretti. I mean, that's a huge blow. Even though he's not a star in the sport, he's a guy who started in, in a national championship game. He played a big role that whole tournament. He was late this season. And we just have to see how Namari uh, Burnett steps into that role as a true freshman. You're going to have a lot of eyes on him. And it's going to be down to a lot of freshmen with him and Micah Peavy. And then you have Marcus Santos Silva, who's one of the more under-the-radar transfers this season. They get Joel Natomboy eligible. But with Chris Beard being one of the premier coaches in college basketball, he could probably turn that team around. Certainly. Uh Moving on, I guess a dark horse team in the conference. Uh, what team do you kind of think as a dark horse? I mean, I guess it depends how you use the term dark horse. Are you yeah. saying like a bottom of the conference team people see that could be decent? Is that what we're going for here? I think like a team that, at least how I read it, kind of a team not not enough people are talking about that could you know potentially. I guess, compete for a league title or something like that? All right, I'll go with Oklahoma then. I think Oklahoma is a pretty solid team. Obviously, they lose Chris and Doolittle, but they return Austin Reeves, who for some reason was just weirdly inefficient last season. He shot 38% from the field and 25% from three, but a game against TCU, he had 43 points, and that's the kind of talent he is. He's great at Wichita State in his sophomore season before transferring to Oklahoma. Brady Manick is a very good score. And you have guys like Alondis Williams and uh, Jalen Hill, not the UCLA Jalen Hill, but they just have a lot of pieces that could be pretty good this season. Yeah, I, I definitely think Oklahoma's going to be a pretty good team. They were actually my sleeper team. Uh, I was going to go into sleepers next. I think Oklahoma, they're going to be pretty good this year. Uh, you you mentioned Manic. I think he's he is what he is. He's kind of a twelve point per game 
score, but Austin Reeves can certainly be that you know piece that can kind of lead them offensively. Davion Harmon, I think, will you know improve as a player. Londez Williams is good. Uh, Kur Kuath, I think, you know, one of the better names in the Big Twelve. I think he can have a you know pretty nice impact stepping up this year, uh, kind of playing I guess the five in place of uh, Doolittle, who's now off to uh, the pros after graduating. I think Oklahoma will definitely be pretty good this year. I think they're a tournament team. Uh, maybe not like a top five seed or, you know, I, I'm not going to go as them a contender to win the league, but I think they can be definitely pretty good. Definitely. And quick uh, breaking news here. Arizona State has gotten a Ukrainian recruit by the name of Pablo Niuba. So that fills their last scholarship spot. He's a forward who played in Barcelona the past two seasons. So they're no longer in on your name. So Maryland it is. Yep. Uh, staying, then, uh, staying in the Big 12, what team do you kind of see as a sleeper? Uh, I mean, I guess Oklahoma could kind of fit that too. But I'll say Iowa State. I kind of like what they have going on there. I mean, Steve Prome, I mean, they're pretty bad last season. Obviously, they lose Tyree Halliburton. They lose uh, Prentice Nixon. But they get guys like Rosier Bolton back. They get George Pondit back, Solomon Young. They got J- Jalen Pullman Lance, who's been in college forever. And they got Tyler Harris from Memphis, who's scheduled to sit out. And they got, say, uh, Blake Hinton from Ole Miss. They're both expected to apply for waivers. I don't really think either of them get it, but if they do, they could be even more dangerous. I think they. I don't think they're a tournament team, but they could steal some games for sure. Yeah, it, a lot of that just depends on waivers, though. If Harris gets a waiver uh, and Blake Hinton get, if both those players or one of them gets waivers, uh, Iowa State certainly the complexion changes for that team. Uh, I'm not too sold on Iowa State. I think they'll be. I don't know if they'll finish last in the league, but I think they'll be probably in that bottom three of the Big 12. Uh, at least in, in my rankings, I think most people may agree. But Iowa State certainly might be ahead of teams like TCU and Kansas State uh, this upcoming season. I'm going to go to my dark horse team since we kind of touched on the sleeper. My dark horse team is West Virginia. I think they're you know, a really... you know. They know their identity, which I think is an important thing in college basketball. They know that they're going to kill you on the glass. They're going to go off after offensive rebounds. They're going to win ugly. Uh, they're going to play tough defense. Uh, and while that that's something that you know probably doesn't win you an NCAA title or anything like that, I think it's something that can keep you in the hunt for a Big 12 title. So I'm going to go West Virginia as my dark horse. Definitely, that's a pretty good pick. They could have a great season with Oscar Sheeblay and Derek Colbert down low. They have Miles McBride and Taz Sherman as guard. Jordan McCabe. I mean, I like a lot of what Bob Huggins does. They'll also press Virginia back more than likely just maybe reminiscing back into the Javon Carter days a little bit. Hopefully be able to play that kind of smothering defense again. Yeah. Uh, moving on, going to go into something fun. Uh, gonna draft the top. Gonna do a draft. I guess a kind of snake draft. Uh, gonna draft the players from the 2019-20 season. Uh, gonna do eight players per team. 
Uh, one pick has to be a mid-major player, so you can't just grab, you know, Ob Toppin, Luca Garza, and Peyton Pritchard without, you know, giving love to Lamine Janay or someone like that. Uh, so one pick right. has to be a true mid-major, uh, not Atlantic Ten or Mountain West, because the those leagues are too too good to be considered, I guess, mid-majors. So a true and mid-major no player. No Gonzaga as well. Alright, so you get the first pick. Okay, I'm going to take Obi Toppin. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, I, he won National Player of the Year uh, this year. Uh, was just electric. He dunked the ball you know, at an excessive amount. I think he's you know, just a really good player, and I'm going to take him with the first pick. Alright, so I get one or two picks here. You get two, then I get two, then... Two, two, until okay. there's no more. All right, well, I'll start, I'll start here. I'll go. Every team needs a great point guard, and I'm going to go with Peyton Pritchard. In his freshman season, played in the Final Four, and obviously they lost to North Carolina because they can't secure a rebound and have a chance at a final shot. But you get him, you get him, you get a great shooter, you get a great leader. He shot 46% from the field last season, 41% for three. When the moment was brightest, he seemed to step up, so I'll go with him first. And second, I'll go with Luca Garza, one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. There's a story on that coming up soon that I've been working on a little bit. So, uh, he had 24 points a game, 9.7 rebounds. Obviously, athleticism and defense aren't as strong suits. They're pretty not great for him. But if I had a vote for player of the year last year, I would have voted for him. So, that's my pick. Okay, I'm going with... Uh... I'm going to get the center position taken care of. I'll take Yudoka Azabuke. Uh, just, I think he meshes really well inside with uh, Toppin. So I'm going to go with Azabuke. And then I'm going to go at the guard spot. I'm going to go with Cassius Winston. I know he kind of struggled a little bit early in the season, which is why he you know, wasn't a first-team All-American or anything like that. But I still think he, overall he's a really good player and I, I think a better fit as a point guard uh, on this team. So I'm going to go with Cassius Winston. All right, well, I'll go with my uh, mid-major, true mid-major player here, and we're going to go to the Big West. You mentioned him. He was one of my favorite players to watch this year, Lamine Genet from Cal State Northridge. He averaged 28 points a game, 10 rebounds. And he shot the ball a ridiculous amount. He's not a good shooter, but 48% from the field with six kind of usage. It's pretty good. And obviously, he's headed to the NBA now. I, I like him a lot as like a Pascal Siakam type of player when he was in college and in the future in the pros. He's a really good player and will probably have a pretty good NBA career. So I like him. And then for my other guard, for well, for another guard, I'll go with Miles Powell. Obviously, he had a worse season this year than he did two seasons ago. But Seton Hall was way better. So, I just love Miles Powell as a player. So, I'll go with him. Yeah, Miles Powell, certainly a really good player. I'm going to go with my mid-major player as well. I guess I'll just take him. Uh, Grant Roller out of Charleston. I think he's, you know, a good, you know, guard slash forward. He, he's really talented. He can score the basketball at an elite level I'm going to go with him, take him kind of to play that small forward. And then I'm also going to stay at the guard position. I'm going to go with Marcus Howard. You need shooting. 
who who better to take than Marcus Howard, an elite shooter, uh, one of the top shot makers in college basketball history. So I'm going to take Marcus Howard myself. Yeah, and what do we have? Three players left. You have four you players. I have three. So next, I'll go with mm, this is a tough one. I'll go, I'll go with uh, since I already has two guards, I'll just go with another guard, and he can be off the bench. Let's go with Devin Dotson from Kansas, a very good guard who can run the floor really well. He's super quick. He can shoot. He can kind of do it all. So that's uh, something you look for in every team. And then I'll go with mm, this is a tough one. I'll go with another mid-major player and another big man. I'll go with Ben Stanley from Hampton. He was very good last season at 22 a game, I believe, and 10 rebounds. One of the least talked about great players in college basketball. And he he should return this season, even though he has been in the draft. But he's going to have a very good season. Okay. I have uh, three picks left. You have two picks left. I'm going to use one on Malachi Flynn. I think he, he was just phenomenal this past year for uh, playing you know at San Diego State. Led them to you know what could have been a one seed, maybe a two seed, uh, but an exceptional season. Uh, came within inches of making a 50-footer to force overtime in the Mountain West title game. Uh, he's certainly an elite player. I'm going to take him. Uh, and then with my next pick, I'm picking Jalen Smith out of Maryland. I think I need another, you know, kind of true big. Yudoka Azabuke can only play like 20 minutes a game, so you need another big. Jalen Smith's my guy. He's just a really, you know, exceptional player. He can, you know, stretch it out, make threes. He can, you know, beat you inside. I think he's really good, so I, I'm going to go with him with the next pick. Yeah, I was going to pick Smith, so that kind of sucks for me. But I'll go with Brenny Martin. Starts for Arizona State. He averaged 19 a game. He's a great passer. He's a flashy player. He's kind of inconsistent shooting at times, but he's super fast and he gets the bucket at any time. So that's something you always want to look for in a player. And then this one, even though he didn't have the uh, elite stats you want from a player, he, he's uh, probably my favorite player in college basketball. So just for fun here, let's go with Drew Timmy. He's going to win National Player of the Year this season. Without a doubt, he's uh, probably the best player in college basketball, so let's go with him. Okay, well, you you went with your player. I'm going with mine. I'm going Devin Vassell, uh, future number one pick in this year's upcoming NBA draft. Uh, Vassell's an elite shooter, uh, you know, a really good defender, just an exceptional, you know, three and D wing type archetype player. He's going to be fantastic in the NBA. Future number one pick. Devin Vassell, there there was never a doubt who was going on my team. Yeah, I kind of forgot about him. I wish I took him just for fun. Yeah, that, that would have been an uh, all-time troll moment on your part. But, alas, I, I got Devin Vassell. Well, that's, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness podcast. Sean, where can people find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at Sean02MTM. I'm always doing college basketball stuff. So just follow me. And if you have any questions, you can just tweet at me or hit me up in the DMs. I answer all of them for the most part. So you can find me there. Yeah, follow Sean on Twitter uh, at Sean02MTM. 
as follow me on Twitter if you don't already. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and staying all 48 minutes of this podcast. Uh, we're now at that point. So thanks again to the listeners. Thanks again for joining, Sean, and have a good day.